This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Everybody, welcome back to Deluxe Edition. It's me and Casey, as usual. And today we got kind of an interesting show. So, Casey, you've been talking about something that you did recently. Would you mind going into a little bit of detail about what you have just accomplished? So, recently I won a raffle to be Jason Voorhees for a kill in the upcoming Roseblood Friday the 13th fan film, which is pretty cool, right? Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, so I flew to Seattle uh, last weekend or two weekends ago, and uh, yeah, did that whole thing. So today we're going to talk to some friends that you made. We're going to talk to Jason Brooks. He was the main Jason, if I'm right? He was the main Jason, yeah. He he was also Jason uh, Voorhees in Vengeance, the other fan film. The, uh, the I mean, that's like the big fan film that came out a couple years ago, right? That was like yeah. one of the, the big first ones, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's definitely the one that got on my radar is right. being like, whoa, this is pretty special. Was he upset? He's like, wait a minute. You're bringing another guy in of a raffle. He's going to steal one of my kills. No. So Jason will join us in a couple minutes. We're also going to have the writer and director, Peter Anthony, who was also, he was in Vengeance. I don't know if you remember the uh, kill scene in Vengeance where Jason kills all the uh, prisoners out on the highway, cleaning up the trash. No, I don't remember. I'd have to rewatch it. So he's an actor, too. And and for this movie, he decided, I'm going to write and direct my own. Right. And he was in it also. He's in it. Oh, he's also in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. Peter Anthony. So. so Peter and Jason are joining us in, in just a couple minutes. Yep. Very cool. All right. Well, before we talk to them, let's just talk quickly about our sponsor. Our sponsor is Jay and Silent Bob. They actually make a couple uh, CBD products. They make pre-rolls and they have gummies. Up oh, and Casey is holding up one of the pre-rolls now. So these are just THC. These aren't, or let me try that again. These aren't THC. I don't think that's, you know, we're not at the point yet in America where you can just mail out THC, but you can mail out CBD. And these are CBD products. So they sell these CBD pre-rolls and different varieties. And they also sell uh, gummy bears, t- uh, <laughs> CBD gummy bears. Look at you holding it up. You're like a regular Vata White. So if you'd be interested in trying out these CBD products, you can go to jsbfree.com, J Silent Bob, jsbfree.com, use the keyword deluxe and you'll get three pre-rolls. They're going to send them to you. They're free. You still have to pay for the shipping and handling, so maybe it's not totally free. But $5 shipping and handling, you get three pre-rolls, pretty good deal. Give them a try, see if you like them. If you like uh, gummy bears instead, they also have Bucci Bears. You can go to bucci.bears.com, use the keyword edition. And it's the same deal. Pay $5 for shipping, but get a, a free little sampler jar of the gummy bears to see how you like them. Check them out. They're really good. You know, KPC certainly enjoys them. I think he's probably had about 18 jars already today since he gets up at 5 a.m. And, you know, likes to feel good. Likes to enjoy the, uh, the good vibes. I like to enjoy life, Bill. Can't do that without CBD. No? Then I'm going to have to get some more Bucci bears. I want to be as happy as you. Yeah, man. Just eat a couple of those gummy bears in the morning. You'll be fine. <laughs> That's smoke great. One of the, smoke one of the CBD joints. That's it. Yeah. That's Get your day it. rolling. Yeah, roll the CBD in with uh, your THC. That's what a lot of people do. I think you do that, don't you? What? It's okay to do. I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Legally, you're not supposed to actually smoke medical marijuana in Pennsylvania. So let's, I vaporize my cbd and thc together i don't think it's true because why would they sell flour at the uh legal weed stores man look at in the law books bud the laws are you know there's still probably like laws on the books from like 500 years ago where you're not allowed to like look side-eyed at a cow there's a lot of dumb laws out there 
All right. Well, we're not we're not doing a show on dumb laws today, although that would be a fun topic. Instead, why don't since our guests are in the waiting room, why don't we switch on over and say hello? All right. So joining us today is writer and director of the movie that I've been talking about for quite some time now. Friday the 13th, Roseblood, Peter Anthony. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. And the man behind the mask of Vengeance and of Roseblood, Jason Brooks. How are you, sir? Hey, good. How are you doing? Very good. Good. So so what we do for the show usually is uh, Bill usually takes over the first half of the show for uh, questions that he has, and I usually take the second half with fan questions. But uh, we're going to switch it up this time and take the fan questions in the beginning, because uh, the other day, Peter, in the I'm in a group chat with everyone from the movie, and uh, you had mentioned about the ranks raised a little bit on IMDb. Dramatically, uh, yeah. Yes, that was the same day I posted about the fan questions on Reddit, oh. and uh, it sort of was uh, trending a bit on the Friday the Thirteenth Reddit page. Makes sense. Uh, so. We got 14 questions on there, and 12 of them were exactly the same. So uh, we'll start with this. Uh, everyone wants to know what's the you know the plot of the movie, and you know the story behind the movie is how how it all came about. Yeah. So the the storyline is it's 1989. It's 13 months after the end of Part Seven. If you recall, at the end of Part Seven, Tina and Nick were put in the back of an ambulance and taken away, and the firemen picks up the mask and it's broken. That fireman is John Carl Beekler, the director and makeup artist for part seven. So in my mind, I figured she would go to an insane asylum that after all Dr. Cruz's reports and after all these strange occurrences, the military would get involved. So if you remember part X, there was Camp Crystal Lake Research Facility. So in my story, we have Camp Crystal Lake Research Facility basically abducting Tina for studies. So so what it is, is she's in the facility. They're trying to harness her powers. And then along comes a new, new blood, which is Rose, Rose blood. And she's supposed to be even more powerful than before. So that's basically the premise of the story and where they are. So that's absolutely fascinating to me. And here's why. So we've talked about this on the show before. I had a run many years ago, 20 years ago, uh, Entertainment Weekly had just come out. That's that's how old the story is. And I remember getting it. And I remember seeing they're going to make a Freddy vs. Jason movie. And I love that shit. Yeah. So I was like, man, I, I could come up with some good ideas. And I went to bed that night and I came up with a story. And the next day I fucking wrote a letter to New Line Cinema. You can't do this now. Like no. it goes to some you know email thing and that nobody reads. But then somebody answered it. And I said, listen, I have this idea. And I'm a kid. I don't know anything about making movies. I said, I have this idea, and I kind of wrote a quick, what I know is now called a treatment, and I sent it in, and I got a phone call back. And it was a guy who said, are you in the the Writers Guild Association? I said, I never heard of that. He says, don't worry, we can get around it. I like your idea. And I started talking to him, and the producer had just done uh, Austin Powers and a couple other things for New Line, so he was kind of blowing up. They ended up not making the Freddy vs. Jason movie. They made Jason X. So when Jason X came out, like you said, it started out in that scientific government lab. That was actually an idea that I put in my story that didn't get used. So when it ended up in that and the same crew of people that I were talking to uh, were part of Jason X, I always wondered if I had actually contributed some thought to that first movie. Yeah. And now somehow me and you are forever tied also. The same idea, multiple yeah. years apart. Yeah. You know? That's it just, super it just cool. seems logical. Either she's going to go to an asylum, which isn't really great for storytelling, or she goes to a military facility where you can really do a lot. You know, so yeah. that, that's how I had it. So, um, yeah, that's great. I mean, that just seems like the next conclusion. They're not going to send her home, you know? Right, right. They're going to want to study. They're going to want to, in my mind, it was like, we got to study Jason, figure out how the fuck this guy keeps coming to life. But right. in your take, it's we need to study her powers and all the things that she can do. To really learn them. There's an orderly, uh, Todd Jenkins, and that's I really touched on that point. I wanted to drive the story through him as the orderly, where he keeps saying, basically not giving too much away, but how come you're the only one that lives through all these instances? You know, like it's always just you and your story, and there's never really any proof. So either you think she is a murderer, or you just think she's crazy, or you think she's telling the truth, but you really have no proof. It's just mm-hmm. her at the end and her story, which makes for, for great, because people don't know how to take her. Is she pure? Is she not? So I, I like that whole aspect of it also. You touch on the ending of seven because a lot of people and I'm I'm in that cab like I 
and I've seen the director talk about it. Like that's not necessarily where they wanted the ending to go. Productions run different ways. So I'm not a big fan of how that turned out. Do you take that ending and use it? Or did you kind of create your own start to to this movie? (laughs) Jason. Or do you not want to, maybe you want to save it? We don't don't want to say, we don't want to say right now, but. uh, All right. Fair. Yeah. It's noted. It's noted for sure. I I tried to like, how am I going to tie that whole part in? I tried to fix or fill in a lot of the blanks with, with all the stories, including um, the Duke is in ours also. So, um, and, and, and I always wondered how he ran into Jason and what his backstory was. So in my movie, you, you see the backstory of that and why he remembers him in part nine. But yeah, that, that part seven. And then did you want me to touch on the beginning of the movie you're saying, how we put it together? As much as you want to share, because I'm fascinated. Yeah, I've, I've said it recently online, but as a long story, Jason was coming up with Vengeance 2, and I helped him write it a little bit. And then I was like, hey, man, would you mind if, like, while you're doing Vengeance 2, I just do, like, a 20-minute short of, like, a part seven? And this came about from me calling Riley Lorden and just joking around. And he's like, no, man, that'd be great, because if any movie I ever wanted to see more of, it'd be seven. Tina, you know, still alive. And if any character that really never fulfilled anybody would be the Duke. Like, he seemed like yeah. a cool character that people wanted more about. Anyways, kicked around the idea. Jason said I could use, at the time we were going to shoot the same time, so I could use the same cabin and blah, 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 blah. And then, man, I don't even know how to explain it. just grew. Sean's like, well, I'll build this building. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, 60 feet by, was it 35 feet wide and, you know, this tall and then, then, then. And then it was, okay, fine. Well, let me try to get Lar. We got Lar. Let me try to get Terry. Let me get Terry. And then the fundraiser blew up and it just became this huge thing out of nowhere. Like I said, in 110 days, we went from no script, no idea to idea, script, fundraiser, cast, crew, shot, production, rap. Yeah, you know, wow. It's just amazing. And, and that's because of the fans. I think that passion kind of like got involved with everybody, Jason, everybody, and everyone just kind of stepped up and made it happen. One of the things that impresses me is I went to the the IMDb page because Casey's like, hey, I'm in IMDb now, even though, you know, yeah, we all know you put yourself in there. You're not going to admit it, but we know. <laughs> but I couldn't believe how many people you have working on this production this isn't like five six people kind of pushing this thing out it's it's a big crew yeah and it's but it's believe it or not it's a lot smaller than let's say the vengeance crew because vengeance probably had what total between actors and everybody 100 people jason you think oh probably 200 between uh actors and crew and we had 30 20 something at a time six of us with a couple actors yeah but the, the, the i knew i could pull it off because we'd be in one building with the one cameras and the one, everything would be in one building. It's very tough when you got to go to this location and that location and this location and there. So I figured we could do it. I mean, I didn't, if I knew that, what I know now, I would have, I would have went a couple more days because we were going 16 hour days every single day. I mean, I literally got two hours sleep every day. So, and then that yeah. last day we went 21 hours. I mean, and, and Jason can tell you when you just looked around the room, I mean, people were on fumes. Uh, Jason was in a chair at one point, just like, <laughs> I was like trying to smack myself to wake up. Tensions were on edge. So a lot of swear words were flying around, but, but believe it or not, you can ask Jason when the camera rolled, it was magic. So we were, we were lucky that crew of Cody and Josh and, and, uh, Ryan, Jason, Sean, I mean, every Riley, everybody just stepped up. You were there, Casey, you saw it when at times. Yeah. Yeah. You were there when we still were getting normal sleep or, you know, somewhat <laughs> sleep. We still were kind of happy. Yeah. Oh, funny story, Bill, too. I'm, I'm sitting there in the hall doing like 800 things. And all of a sudden, Casey comes out in the in the Jason costume with glasses on. And I just saw Jason Brooks in the costume. So I look and I'm like so tired. I'm like, what the fuck? And you're like, hey, man. I'm like, oh, hey, Casey. <laughs> He's got glasses on inside the hood and everything. <laughs> he didn't. He probably didn't want to say, it, but he was secretly worried about having to shave his beard. Oh, I think you talked about that. Yeah, you wouldn't even see it. So, yeah, well. The first two questions I asked you when I won the raffle was, am I allowed to smoke pot and do I have to shave my beard? That was the question. I'm like, dude, I asked Sean. I'm like, Sean said he doesn't want any drugs on his property. Like, it's okay, man. I think there's a dispensary at the Seattle airport. (laughs) 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 Whose idea was it to do the the raffle and and get Casey involved in the first, which got Casey involved in the first place? I guess me, we we did the same thing in Vengeance. So I just kind of pulled that over into, into this one. Jason, were you like, what the fuck, man? I want all the kills. Why are you giving this away to some schlep? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, and it's a fun kill that he did, too. I like that one. I don't know. We did it in the last film. We did it in this one. So I think it's fine. You know, it comes with the territory a little bit, and I get to do so many other kills. <laughs> it's, you know, 
<laughs> I don't know. It's a good time. And it was kind of fun, you know, having someone else in the costume and, and kind of walking them through like how I do this and, and the different steps. So yeah, he did a good job. Yeah. I could, he came around in one scene and he did the cane hotter, big breath, shoulders go up and turned his head and looked. And I was like, who taught you how to do that? Like you pulled that off. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny. Cause like you're saying, the shoulders go up and all that. That's one thing a lot of people kind of get wrong is he doesn't like Kane doesn't breathe with the shoulders and you know, he breathes with his chest and yes. and just it translates through the shoulders mm-hmm. and everything. So that's one thing that a lot of people try to, to replicate, don't quite get right. And it's like, how come it doesn't look like Kane or, you know, it's just off. But we, we got it. We got it right. And yeah, because we care. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, Bill, too, is um, when, when you're in costume, Jason can tell you, you don't know what you look like all that stuff and the mask and the chest and the, you don't know how your movements are. You're kind of restricted. So when Casey would do certain things, I'm like, Hey, do this, this, and this, this, cause you don't know. It's not like regular acting. Jason can tell you that. So Jason was, was telling him what to do, how to turn. And I was just like, make sure you breathe from your chest and, and your shoulders will just rise after. And then he always stops a quick turn, then a breathe then a motion. And by, you know, what third, fourth take, he had it. Yeah. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question. Did you go, did you go boxers in, in that gear or did you go naked? boxers all right because because i'm pretty sure jason went fucking commando so i didn't know if you guys nuts were rubbing on that one (laughs) (laughs) so who did your makeup was that all done by you guys or did you have to hire somebody to come in and do this um so the makeup yeah (laughs) oh the makeup (laughs) so basically it's a hood it's like a one piece full hood and the designer the artist was marcio charlie out of brazil Phenomenal. Um, he, yeah, he's like amazing. Probably the best I've ever seen. So he designed the, the face, the costume, everything. And when he sent that, he sent to FedEx. And so when I got the box, it had been crushed. There was a hole in the side and the silicone hood for the movie was gone. And as well as the chain. So, you know, I tried on the whole thing the first day I get it, do a test fitting. And I'm like, wait, where's the hood? messaging him he's like no it's in there and here's a photo and here's the, like all these things they have and so we had no hood so i started like a four-day battle with fedex to try to get all that back and they, they couldn't ever find it so i had to use an old hood that i had a vengeance hood and so we shot a lot of scenes we had to rewrite some of the way it was done but it's just a it's a one piece well the one we used for the film was latex we wanted silicone but we didn't have it so we had a one-piece latex hood with the face open you put the mask, the hockey mask over the front and everything, and it completes it. So it's not like sitting in the makeup chair and getting a bunch of makeup done. And um, like it used to be in the old days where they'd apply all the foam latex appliances. It's just a one piece part that goes on. And eventually, Marcio, he sent another backup one so we could do the, the reveal shots and everything. And we did end up getting that one, too. But again, it's still one piece. It's not like sitting in the chair for hours getting made up. Getting the costume on takes 20 to 30 minutes, you know, all the different layers and pieces and it's all hot and sweaty and uncomfortable and tight and Casey knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me, uh, let me interject on that. Cause Jason's being humble because that dude went through so much pain and crap in that outfit. You have no idea. So when, when, when we have, when we finally got the real hood, he has got to put a, what is it? Scleris lens, right? Yeah. Sclera. So it's your entire eyeball. It's not just the Brown part. It's your whole eyeball. It's like that big. So we, you're, you're supposed to put it on a plunger, fill it with water, bend forward and put it on. But I guess we didn't have the plunger or whatever. Dude, there's a video. I'm going to post it, Jason, if you let me, of three of us opening his eyeball, ripping it open, ripping the top open and trying to get this lens in his eye while he's got black all in his eye going crazy. It took us a half an hour. It's not even on right. He can't see. He's blind. We put the hood on. The hood folded his ears, and I'm pretty good with pain, and I could tell he was in pain. He goes, my ear, my ear, and I, my hands didn't fit. So Kim, the makeup girl, had to put her hands in, fold his ears back, whatever. He's blind. He puts his hand on my shoulder. I walk him all the way to the cabin to, to do the scene. doesn't know where he is. He's in massive pain. His eye isn't in. He's blind. The other one's closed in the mask. Mm-hmm. And then he does this stunt, which I won't say. And the funny thing is when he pops up from the stunt – He's like, I can see the contact works great. It popped in. (laughs) (laughs) But he went through a lot at a lot. And wearing that thing, Casey, as you know, and when you wear the full one like he had, man, you just get an instant headache. I had one on for like two hours and I I was sweating. This is back when I did cosplay. It was a nightmare. I can't imagine wearing it every day for 10 hours like that. Yeah. And the one that showed up that we did the face reveal on that you're talking about was not made to be worn. That was like the the prototype piece because that's what Marcio had on hand to send right away. 
So it, it didn't fit. So we had to kind of cut it up the back a little bit to make it get my head even in there. And when it was, it's the silicone was probably half an inch or three quarters of an inch thick and not meant to be worn. So it was really tight and really, it was just uncomfortable, but definitely worth it. Wow. So when you order a costume from Brazil, from, uh, from him, how do you get fitted for something like that? You know, he had a list of dimensions, just everything. You have to measure everything and send it on over. And then he's got a mannequin that he uses to build on and then just bulks it up in the places it needs to be so that it's the right the right dimensions around arms legs the height all that so did you tell him you were going to be free balling because they got to take that into consideration <laughs> that's why i took the inseam out a little bit and, yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> no no i think you told me the longest that you were in the costume was what 16 hours yeah that was on vengeance so i was in there for 16 hours um on roseblood it was from what was it just after lunch i think it was till the six in the morning yeah, that, that was a twenty-one hour day. Mm-hmm. So, I don't. I didn't do the math on that one yet. But wow. yeah, it was it was quite a while. Eighteen hours. Eighteen hours. Yeah, something I gotta say. Like it's not. I mean, the the suit is definitely uncomfortable. It restricts your movement. But once you put that hockey mask on, I mean, there's holes and everything in that. But it gets so hot yeah. just from that hockey yeah. mask being on there. It was like holy yeah. shit. And then that hood being being latex, it's not silicone and soft, it's latex and hard. And for me, it was like pushing into the cartilage of my ears where the indent of the ears are and stuff and just kept pushing there. And that pressure over 15 minutes, 20 minutes, it just hurts. And then having it on for hours, it just, oh, uh, just we start sticking makeup sponges in there and everything, trying to get it to be um, somewhat cushioned or to take some of the pressure off. It was just, it was not fun, but again, worth it. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Nice. Yeah. So one of our one of our fan questions, Clyde wants to know: Have you ever been injured while filming any of the uh, <laughs> any of the movies? You've been in, you've been in other movies too, other than the Friday the Thirteenth fan moves movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Clyde, so I have not been injured on any other set. Um, on this one, there was a couple of a uh, couple accidents. Um, one, I was getting bloodshot at me from one of the kills. And somehow afterwards, there was like some soap in the blood to, you know, and usually they put soap in blood so that it doesn't stain wardrobe and everything, but not meant to go in the face. But this one ended up right in the hole of the hockey mask, right into my eye. So I had soap in there. But then we found out once Kim, the makeup artist, she kind of got in there, cleaned it out with visine, washed it out, then found a little couple pieces of black metal in my eye. And then we had a, a medic on set, Tommy Lee Driver. He went in there. He took a look, too. He found two, three more pieces of little black metal, took it out of my eye. We did an eye wash. Other than that, a couple bumps and scrapes. And then there was one scene um, on that 21-hour day. It was like the last day of shooting. And I don't know if I can say what happened, but um, <laughs> but I was, get, I was getting beat up pretty hard by a pretty big guy who was holding a pretty hefty object. <laughs> and uh, ended up fracturing, getting a hairline fracture on my forearm um, after taking it multiple times and multiple takes and everything. And and the thing that he was hitting me with broke on the last swing and kind of it shifted a little bit and the edge hit me right on the forearm. And, and I could feel that instant like warmth going across my arm, like, uh-oh. And just finished out the scene and everything and kind of kept that arm back. Kind of went for like a small walk in between takes and trying to consider like, where am I at? How's this feeling? Is it, is it really broken? And, you know, trying to feel it, how, how bad it is. I'm like, no, it's good. That was the last take. If I have to use that arm again, I will just... uh I'll say something, but otherwise, let's get this thing done. It's three a.m. right now. We got so much to do, and but you're lying because you did use that arm again. You did the the smashing thing like ten times after that. I did. Oh, I did. And yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't getting it. There was no impact to my forearm still, after that, though. It's gotta hurt. But still, and then yeah. and then my arm swelled up. Like my whole arm was like swollen after that, and then it felt like having a blood pressure cup on for hours. You know, it was just eventually it kind of came down, but. uh yeah, I had a pretty gnarly bruise. Might be gone now, but your fingers? Yeah, my fi- Oh, and it sliced my fingers across a blade. <laughs> Grabbing a blade and uh, trying to pull it out by the blade, and a piece of it wasn't dulled down like we thought it was. And as I grab it and rip it out, it didn't come out. But uh, it sliced through the glove that you know the, how thick that glove was, Casey. It sliced yeah. through that and and the right through my fingers. And yeah, I pulled a muscle in my groin. Oh my God. Did it ever occur to you that you had Casey there? You could have beaten him up and you can do all the like good stuff. And Casey just takes the, uh, the yeah, going hits. Right. Afterwards, you know, but he was already gone. 
<laughs> I told you I would take a bump for you. Right. No, no, it's all good. It, uh, of course, all unplanned, but it was, it was fine. It, we had good people there. We had medics there. We had uh, people who could take care of me. And I just slept for two days afterwards trying to heal. It was all good. I just need to learn to stretch before I do this kind of stuff now. Yeah. We're getting old. Getting old. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes on this show, we talk about uh, the business of Hollywood. So I'm really interested to hear how it really got started. Was it a, was it just a, a project? It was a passion for, you know, you love the franchise or was this, Hey, we can actually make a little bit of money doing this. Maybe there's a future goal. We can break into Hollywood if we do this. What is the the big picture for you guys? How did this really come about? How did you pay for it? Do you get paid? And is it really just something for a future goal? Paid? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the numbers that all of us make sacrifices and all of us have chipped in for the film, but someone like Sean, you don't even want to know the numbers. They're beyond what you can even comprehend. Uh, myself. You know, in the in the five in the fifty thousand dollar range past the goal. Wow, there are hundreds of thousand dollars past that. Now, do we have to do that? No, but we thought we had something special. Yeah. So, as far as the movie, um, you can as a fan film. It, I think Jason looked it up. You can make fifty thousand dollars every for every fifteen minutes of footage. You have to give any profit to charity, which I did. My stepson Bryson, and then you have to release the movie free on YouTube. Now, you can sell DVDs and Blu-rays as long as you don't show a profit, which I could be selling DVDs and Blu-rays for 50 years and won't make a profit. So that, that that's okay. And as far as, like, the long-term goal, I never really thought about it like that. Um, Jason brought me on for Vengeance, and that kind of rolled uphill, and I've got more roles and, uh, and more parts of the movie for marketing, so on and so forth. Then this movie, I, I mean, Part Seven is my favorite. Kane's my friend. It was just a passion thing. Uh, overall, yeah, it probably does help you if you want to step into the realm of being paid or Amazon or something like that. But I, that's honestly, I'd be lying if I told you that's why I did it because I knew we weren't going to make money. So it's just for the fans, for me, for Jason. Look at his legacy. Look at that. Look at the two Jasons behind him. That's just awesome. The fact that we're in a position to do things like this and give back to the fans at a time where the studios just don't care. Yeah. If this were 10 years ago and YouTube, let's even go 15 or 20, 20 years ago, no YouTube, so you don't have that audience. And it would have been like you you make this movie and it gets passed around on, on VHS tapes and sold at conventions. And that's really the audience that you right. you have. Right. Would you have still made the movie? Or are you making the movie now because you have access to a lot more viewers? It has to be access because I wouldn't have raised that money without the internet. No, right. Yeah. Just being honest. And I'm sorry, Jason didn't answer on those questions, so he can go ahead. Oh, no. So, yeah, I think it's the same. I when I got into it, it was Jeremy Brown making Mythos. And um, I heard about that. I auditioned and I just, I loved making films. I'd been in a few films. Um, I did a lot of behind the scenes stuff in films and not a ton of acting, like a lot of props and costumes and all that. And then when I found out about that, I always wanted to play Jason. It's one of the few characters I've wanted to always play. And so I eagerly auditioned and was turned down and auditioned again, and but turned down because of my location and the distance from where they were filming. But after uh, sending a couple of video auditions, they're like, yep, you're the guy. You got the right moves. We didn't have to direct you. Other people, they had to kind of like, okay, try this and now move like this. Now breathe like that. And I'll turn like that. And I just did it naturally when I, when I got in there and did it. And they're like, you got the size, you got the height, you got the right presence. And they took me on. And I was, I was just excited to be part of a, a film, a fan film and a crew and be out there. So I'm just, you know, the Jason that's out there excited to meet everyone and, and be in there and play and, and then it just grew. I mean, but then that became vengeance and stuff. And just kind of, it launched me higher and, and further out there and stuff. And it just became real exciting. And I got to meet a ton of fans and, and made a whole bunch of new friends. And, and so I never thought about it that way. But then I started getting approached by some other people and other, um, you know, celebrities that I've met at conventions and everything. And, and we're all like, well, why don't you come be a part of my film? Or, oh, hey, you know, it'd be cool to work together. And, and so it just kind of started naturally happening um, after that. So I, I went into it with the intention of just having a good time and doing my best portrayal of Jason. And then everything else kind of fell into place after that. And, and Jason's correct on his portrayal of Jason because maybe two times in eight days did I ever say anything to him about. One was about, I can't say the weapon, but hold it down, do this. Another time was, hey, when you turned, you did the vengeance shoulders, you didn't do the chest thing. I mean, that's it. And I know he would want me to tell him that. So oh, I mean, yeah. that, that, that's he was just spot on with the neck spins and I didn't know if he was going to be able to do it. I'm not saying he wouldn't be able to do it, but Kane is a lot different than the Vengeance, Jason. And, you know, fans will get like ape shit on you if you don't do it right. 
So, and he did it perfect, you know, so it's, I think fans are going to love it. Yeah. Casey was honest. He was like, it wasn't as easy as I thought it was. No, it wasn't it was just not. swinging an ax. There's, there's, you know, and, and you said, you said, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions kind of chiming in. Yeah. So it, it seems a little stressful. I was like, huh, I thought it would be just kind of go in, you swing your arm, but no, it's a much bigger job that you were, you, you donated money and signed yourself up for a lot of, a lot of opinions, dude. A lot. <laughs> like Peter said too, every single, every single movie, the person does it different, you know, yep. no one, no one does it the same, you know? So I get in there thinking I'm going to do something. And then, you know, there are, there are quite a few people in the room trying to tell you exactly what to do and this and that. And then once I said to Jason, show me exactly how to do it. And he showed me, I, I think I got it after that. Yep. Yeah. And the other so. thing too is, is shots are shots, but what you're trying to achieve with the camera is different. And his shot, we're trying to do almost like a trick with the camera. So without getting into too much detail. So we've got to line everything up perfect on a movement. So it's not easy that way either. Right. Casey, a quick question for you. Yeah. How much more work is it on a set than you ever thought it would be now that you were on it? To be honest, the work... You know, it was stressful for those that time that I was there, but it's like I think me and Jason talked about this. It's a lot of hurry up and wait. Yes. You know, like Jace, uh, Joe, Caban, uh, yep. he uh, he said, be there at eight o'clock. I get there at eight o'clock. I missed the message that said we weren't going to start until 930. And I don't think I got into costume until maybe 334 o'clock. That's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, which was cool. I loved all the behind seeing all the behind the scenes stuff and seeing the other scenes that were filmed that day and everything. It was really cool to because that's what we talk about a lot on here with the other guests, you know, behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. It 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 made me laugh. You're like, Yeah, I won the raffle. I was like, Oh, great. And then he's texting me, he's like, This is a lot of work. So you basically <laughs> donated money to get put to work. It's so funny to me. Yeah. So my final question for you guys, if you if you can answer, I, I'm fascinated by how you figured this out. Everybody we talked to started their showbiz career by working on set, seeing other people do it, saying, OK, that's how you do it. And then eventually they move into a directing role. You know, uh, we, we talk about Terminator uh, Avatar guy blanking on his name, you know, who I'm talking James about. Cameron, like, James Cameron started working on a on a Corman production and they just eventually said, Hey man, why don't you take the camera and just direct this quick scene? And that helped him get into where he 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 got. How did you guys do it? Were you working on sets before? Were you just studying this on YouTube? If somebody wants to get into making movies to the fan movies to the quality of your stuff, how should they get started? Yeah. Okay. So I've always said, you know, I get asked this kind of question like, how can I be Jason? How can I get into horror films? How can I get into acting? And it's really just get involved in local things, get involved, start small and work your way up. Like everybody wants to jump right into the Jason thing. Everybody wants to jump right to the top. It doesn't work that way unless, you know, you win the lottery somehow. Um, so it's, I worked on, I don't know how many small independent films with different people. And it's kind of networked, made relationships with these filmmakers. And then just came out and worked my ass off on set as a PA, running coffee, getting a prop, making whatever. And then, you know, it's like, hey, we need somebody to be in the scene. Can you, you want to jump in? Yes. You know, I'll, I'll do it. And I'm just kind of building up. And as far as like jumping forward to the fan films and how do you get this and the kind of quality and everything, it's really about, again, the connections and, and getting to know people. And so people on Roseblood, a lot of those people are people we worked with on Vengeance and from Vengeance from Mythos and, and from Mythos, you know, Jeremy Brown and Dustin and they all work with people in the past from other short films. So it's just you kind of grow this network of people as you go. It's not right out the gate, um, unless you're lucky or already are networked or know someone who is. So you find quality people who have quality gear. You find quality people who know how to write. You find quality people who know how to make props, costumes, who know what they're doing. Production design, it's a big one. You know, you can watch a lot of fan films out there that have, um, you know, good stories or concepts and stuff, but Maybe the lighting's not quite right, so it kind of takes you out of the story or the sounds off because it, it takes you out of the story because they they didn't focus on that or find a resource for that. So it's really just about bringing all the right people together and doing that and sweet talking a lot of people to work for free. <laughs> so um, sometimes some people see the benefit and and see that like a lot of the actors on Vengeance, you know, nobody got paid. So a lot of people are like, no, I, I can either go as an actor and make one hundred fifty dollars a day or $200 a day 
in a short film for 20 minutes that's going to go to a few film festivals and fade away and no one's you know not a lot of people can watch or i can work on this friday the 13th fan film that's going to go online go viral see be seen by millions of people and then be noticed and potentially have somebody see me in my acting so there's a uh, quite a few people from vengeance since that one's out who have come to me and said I, I was recognized at las vegas i was recognized at hot topic i was recognized you know all these places and i like i have a small little part and it's really cool to hear that and people are getting fan mail from vengeance that they're like I'm an actor. I've been doing this for a while and I get fan mail now. So it's really just, you know, you got to do the work. You got to, anything worth doing is worth doing right. And it, and it does take work. So, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the work part of it. So me, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. Um, I, I went to conventions and became friends with uh, friends with a lot of the, the Jasons and the people in the Friday 13th became really good friends with Kane Hodder. And it's a long, long story, but long Jason, Jason's the one who brought me on board. I mean, Jeremy Brown approved it, but it was Jason's idea to come on board for vengeance for marketing. So I really went from nothing to marketing. Uh, I've been in sales my whole life. So marketing was very similar. So did that. And then just took off from there. They gave me the role as the Ken Slate, the prisoner. And then me and Jason just became friends and we would run ideas back and forth. And, you know, he'd give me projects to do and I would do them. And it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And then just that idea, I never wrote before. I never produced before. I don't even know anything. So he's like, you could do it, you know? So got final draft and went back and forth with him with ideas, told him what I was working on. And, and like I said, it just it just grew. So I'm probably the, the oddball out because I'm lucky that I was asked to be on Vengeance. But I did work my ass off for Vengeance for two years, came out of pocket for it. I think I worked my ass off on this movie. So I think the real thing is, and Jason knows this too, and without saying names, there's people that I've given plenty of opportunities to, Jason too. You give them these opportunities and they don't care. They just like, well, I'm not getting paid or I want this. Or I'm like, you don't understand how big this is. Nobody just starts in their house one day and then all of a sudden is working for Steven Spielberg. This is how you start. And nobody, some, most do, but there are some that don't want to make the sacrifice. And those are the haters. Those are the ones that when you succeed, always got something bad to say because they don't, they don't know what it takes to get there. Yeah. And there's like, the, there's the short-term, long-term goals, just like investing, just like, you know, earning money. Like people just want the money now today and they're not thinking ahead for the future. Right. And so I get, I get asked that a lot. Like why a fan film? Why something that you don't get paid on? Don't you want to get paid? It's like, well, yeah, like I could, so you know how many people make a movie and don't get paid? How many people make a movie and then doesn't get seen? It has like, you know, a hundred views or, or a thousand views. So many people make a movie and they don't see anything from it. And um, this one, it's like, not only do you get to be seen, but you're doing something you love, being part of a franchise or a universe that you love and having fun. And it's like, why not have fun and make something that you would want to see yourself and continue on this legacy being able to work with people like steve dash and tom mclaughlin and mick strawn and cj graham lar park lincoln terry kaiser you know like the list goes on like where else would you have these opportunities in the like in our place in life right now so it's i don't know i think it's it's great the pay is secondary right now i think it's the experience is you just can't replace that experience yeah, we can totally relate. We do this podcast. There's no money in it. We just do it for fun. And we put a lot of time into it. Now it's not the universe you guys are in. You guys are definitely putting a lot more time and a lot more, you know, sweat equity into things you're doing. So we commend you. I mean, that's awesome. Thanks. This is great to hear. You know, the other the other reward, if you ask me, I know Jason's the same, is the fans. I mean, I've become friends, friends with fans in different countries, in different states that write to me. Uh, whether I go through personal issues in my life, they'll send me gifts, they'll send me cards, they'll check on me. I don't know any fans. I mean, just think about like a Top Gun, Tom Cruise. He does Top Gun. One of the best movies of all time. How many fans are like going to Top Gun set reunions or, or writing Tom Cruise about Top, Top Gun? Friday 13th, they'll write to you all the time about it. They'll talk to you at two in the morning about one of the movies. We have like the best fan base ever, like Jason touched on. We're lucky that we're in this realm where people appreciate what we're doing. Yeah, we, we asked John Shepard, you know, Tommy from part five, where he's kind of, not that into how big it's all gotten. And I remember when we asked him, we're like, do you see how big the fandom is? I got the read from him that he's not even sure how big it is. Like go out and see. I think he's starting to do more conventions and stuff now that he's within the last few years. I think he's starting to see. Yeah. My hunch is that he just had his head down and I hope he, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm hoping he gets to pop up and see how People love this franchise and love him and love everybody who contributes to it. So 
on, on that point, uh, the, the gentleman Rob from Part Four, his name is Eric Anderson, great guy. Talked to him on the phone. Long story short, for Fall of Camp Blood, I play his brother. So I contacted him like, hey, I got this part. I want you to leave a voice message on a voice recorder. Just say it on your phone. We'll pay you this amount. We'll put it in the movie. He's like, no one's going to care about that. I'm like, are you, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, part four is my favorite. And if anybody else is probably in the top two of most people. And uh, I said, fans will go crazy for that. I was like, if you went to a convention dressed as Rob, my God, you would sell out all your photo shoots everywhere. I'm like, he, I don't think he understood just how big it really is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Insane. So I know, Bill, that was, uh, you're all finished up with your questions, right? No, of course I came up with one more. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you want my one more? Yeah. All right. Do you guys, are you thinking about your next thing or are you still in this project? If you're thinking about your next thing, what are you thinking about? Because I got a pitch for you. I'm trying to retire, but Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I still have Vengeance 2 to get done here. So um, we're working on Vengeance 2. Um, script is complete. We're doing a little bit of casting right now, some pre-production stuff. And going to try to pull Peter back in out of retirement to help with a little bit of marketing and some ideas because I just cannot do this alone. I remember when I said I'd take on V2, I said I can't do it alone. And someone who talked me into it, you know, I got to pull him back in. But <laughs> give me, give me, we'll give see. Me the, give me the page. Give me the page. I'll be back in. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, Vengeance 2, that's that's taking up a lot of my time right now. And then after that, I've got several other non-Friday the 13th projects, uh, three or four more films that are just waiting for that one to get done to, to start filming. So, yeah. Yeah, that's called being in demand. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Very cool. It's it's a good place to be. Awesome. So before I have a few more fan questions, uh, but before we get into that, Peter, why don't you give a shout out to some of the people that are in the in the movie? Yeah. So where do we start? Laura Park Lincoln. I mean, without Laura Park Lincoln, we don't we don't have this film. I mean, we have a film, we have the story, but it's not. You know, she's the draw. She's what everyone wants. She's what I want to see. You know what I'm saying? So uh, the fact that she said yes to this was amazing. There's a whole story behind that. I originally pitched her on the idea. I wasn't prepared. I never really thought she'd even say yes. So she basically said no in a nice way. <laughs> and I got with Jason and I'm like, we need to write something better. I wrote her a whole part out and then sent it to her. And she said, yes. When she said, yes, everything took off. Terry Kaiser said, yes. I could go through the list here. I'll run them down. So Michael Ortiz as Alan McNeil, the lab guy. <laughs> I think Jason, I'll tell you right now, that's gotta be one of the funniest on-screen characters in the whole movie. Right, Jason? Oh, yeah. He was great. He was great. Yeah. Anson Days played the Army personnel. Boy Boykin, my God, another Army personnel was great. The Fast Team from uh, Mike Nazer, M.P. Strang, Kelly Ellison, Carl Covington, Ken Slate, DJ Patton. Man, they're, they're a bunch of badasses. It's like the typical, prototypical 1980s, you know, Rambo kind of squad. Tommy Lee Driver as the Colonel. We got him five days before. Uh, we had to let go of the guy who was going to play him before. He really wasn't interested in playing him for some reason. So Tommy Lee Driver, total pro, gives up two gigs, two major gigs, two sad gigs to come and be on set. And he nailed it. There, I, I have one dialogue with him where he's introducing the fast team. What is that, like three, 200 words, Jason, 300 words? And the guy oh, memorized yeah. it, yeah, in five days and nailed it. 10, 10.30 at night, you know how it is, Casey. We're like, hey, we got to get the scene in. Call him back. He's 60 years old. I'll be there in 15 minutes. He was awesome. Yeah, he, he was awesome. Gail Caban, uh, she was a producer. She also acted. Cody Newton, Josh, and, and Ryan, I don't even know what to say about them. They're just legendary stars. The Amos uh, brothers and Andrea, Brent Edgett playing a lab technician. He did everything possible on set. You, Casey, played great as the backup. Todd Jenkins, he's a famous guy. He got 200 SAG credits. He was great as Orderly Jenkins. Joe Caban as Julian Dominguez, the janitor, always in the background mopping up. <laughs> he, he was he was great. Uh, Sanaya, oh my God, she nailed it as Rose. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever wrote a part for Sanaya. And I even got with Sean, her dad, and I was like, hey, man, I'm going to write her real deep, you know, from crying to laughing to scared to scary. And she nailed it. Jessica Hotman that played young Tina, pfft, home run. They, uh, Jason could tell you too, you, Dr. Sykes, uh, home run. That guy was just the funniest guy ever on set of all time. Joe Wilson, Thomas Revis, Q as the Duke, J. Quint Broden, Riley Lorden, Jesse Sang Sang, Orderly Sang Sang, uh, Sean and Tammy, Victor, everybody. Everybody on set. Those are the whole cast and crew. They just they just kicked ass. I'm just lucky to have everybody. Is there anyone you tried to get that you couldn't get? Nope. That includes a secret. 
Oh. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Look, look at Bill's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> the wheels are spinning. Yeah. Oh, could it be? Which, which is actually, actually, that's not true. I asked Kane to be in it, but Kane won't do a non-sag film. We knew that from Vengeance, but so can't really count it as a loss. I knew it wasn't going to happen, but there was not going to be any way I wasn't going to ask him first. He can't or he won't? Is that an actor? Is that a thing? I've never heard of that. So when you're a Screen Actors Guild, you're a union. So imagine you yeah. being a union worker in New York. You can't do a non-union job. Okay. I guess now, so. you could do it if you don't receive money or you give your money to charity, but it's kind of frowned upon from a union. And then, you know, it would be big news with him. And he's part of the franchise forever. I don't blame him. You know, yeah. like, it's yeah, there's no nothing personal with that. I just would never not want to not ask him, you know? Right. Yeah. All right. So as uh, Bill mentioned before we got started here with you guys, we're not a controversial show, but uh, this question that we got on Reddit might be a little controversial. I don't know if you guys want to answer it or not. So Finster from Reddit would like to know, how do fan films such as the Jason franchise, how does the, the writers and producers, everyone in it, not get sued? Jason can elaborate. Yeah. So um, if you go to Paramount, um, CBS, they've got some information and rules about fan films about what's allowed, what's not allowed. Um, you have to have the word fan film after the title to make sure that it's not confused with any of the franchise films. You know, there's certain caps on how much you can raise. You know, it's in production only. You can't make money on distribution. As long as it's clear out there that you are not associated with Paramount or um, New Line or Horror Inc. or whatever. You know, so there's public rules if you go to their website. So um, anyone can go research that. And that's how it is. It's like none of us, you know, we're all proud that it's their fan films. We're proud that we're fans. We're proud that we're making it. I don't think there's any confusion in the world of, you know, is this a fan film or is it part of the franchise? So, yeah, there's rules. They know it's going to happen. And they and they appreciate it too. Like there's some of the documentation out there talks about how people who get involved in watching these fan films, they get excited about the real franchise too. And I mean, like on TikTok, that's one of my bigger platforms. I'm on and I have like about half a million followers and so many people have seen me on TikTok and then went and started watching Friday the 13th because of me. And so they're like, oh my God, you, you got me into watching. I never watched a single Friday the 13th until I saw you. Now I went and watched all of them. And so that's just money for the studios. You know, I don't make any money on that, but I'm bringing other people into this, into this franchise unintentionally, but, uh, but it's wonderful to bring more people into it. So I think that they see the benefit in that as well. And um, they don't see it as competition. They see it as kind of helping and enhancing the, the universe. So, And the other thing, too, is you have to release it free online when you, re- yeah. you know, so with the fact that we have to release it on YouTube, I mean, right there alone, you're not going to make any money because most people are yep. going to watch it instead of buy, you know, the Blu-ray DVD. So that's another rule that you have to do also. What about the ads on YouTube? If you Can you advertise it? Can you monetize them? I've never nope. done that. Yeah, yeah. Nope. You're not allowed. Not allowed. Yeah. Nope. You can't profit on the film. Okay. Yeah. So not that I, I mean, like I said, we're, we're so far upside down, but I did give money to charity just like vengeance. Vengeance gave like 20 grand to the Shriners Children's Hospital. Awesome. Very cool. Thanks for uh, clarifying that. Cause I yeah. always wondered that myself. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I thought you guys were like prime for getting sued one day by somebody, but I'm glad <laughs> to hear that you're, there's you're, been like protected. 50 fan films or something by now. So, right. Yeah. So they've yeah. made all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, cool. you know, the game. I don't know if you guys played the game. Like, it would be terrible. You're halfway through production. You've already sunk a ton of money. And then somebody says halt. That would yeah. be pretty rough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love the game. Yeah, we do too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we have one last question here from Can't Read Punchlines on uh, Reddit. I really hope that either. A, you have man behind the mask in it, or B, you have darkest side of the night in it. Oh, he's a music, he's a Friday the 13th music fan. You can't, you can't, yeah. you can't, have, you can't have music, real music in it, because you'll be sued. Okay. Yep. Man behind the mask, that one's more of a part six anyway, so. Yeah. But but those are real artists with real, that's different. You know, now you're actually stealing their song, you sure. know, and playing yeah. it. So that's a little different. As far as music, you can't do that. Just like anything on YouTube, if you use a, a song out there that's been published, they'll take you down for violating, you know, whatever, copyright infringement. So, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. we know about that we now. We learned yeah, the hard now. way. So, so if, I, if I put a real song in my YouTube, think about this. If I launched uh, Rosebud, huge, here's the premiere, you know, it's on YouTube, and that song's in it, it's going to get wiped out. Yeah. You know? And everyone's going to be like, where's the movie? <laughs> I'm going to have to re-edit the movie. <laughs> yeah, we've that's happened to us on Facebook and on YouTube, and they they it's crazy how fast they they know. Yeah, ten minutes and fourteen seconds. You use this clip from this movie. Like, what the fuck? How do you know it's that? It's got to be digitally encoded. Into it. it is. Yeah, yeah. Or it's algorithms that just know how to kind of right. sniff it yep. and, and detect it. And and with uh, YouTube, you can you can use clips if you can say that they're for you know educational reasons and our show is really about educational uh you know teaching looking behind the scenes but you have to go and you have to send a anonymous person at a giant google you know company a request you, you can't actually talk to anybody you just got to hope that they accept it sometimes they do and sometimes they don't so it's a little bit of the wild west it's facebook if you say i don't have the rights to this song they'll let you put a video up with a song but if you don't they don't which what is the difference it's so stupid yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah, we've had guests on already that it's their music. We've asked them if we can use it. They say yes, and we still get the copyright. Yeah, yeah it's like... <laughs> Can't win. There's no winning. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot for your time. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find uh, find you guys? Uh, me is just Peter Anthony. Peter Anthony Productions. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. The Roseblood page, that's also on TikTok, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And then, yeah, I'm D. Jason Brooks everywhere on uh, Instagram and TikTok. And I have a, the uh, Jason Brooks actor page on Facebook. We have F13 Vengeance also there. So, and go, yeah, go follow all of them so you can kind of see where we're going next. What's the official release date of the movie? October 1st. It'll be in Blairstown, New Jersey, where the original Friday 13th was shot. We're having a huge premiere. You coming? You coming, Casey, or what? I'll be there. All right, son. Yeah, my uh, my hotel's already booked, brother. Drinks on me. Smoke on you. <laughs> <laughs> I always got it. Don't worry. There it is. <laughs> I'll get a double bed because I want to. I want to. St- I want to come too, Casey. You can get your own room. My girlfriend's coming with me. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot, man, for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for having us.